The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone, Mac 19 here and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. As per usual, we have Rick as co-host. How are you, mate? Good, buddy. Good. What about you? Good, mate. Good. And you're we do not, have a very special guest upset. on. No, look, I am. It's, uh, it wasn't a great weekend at all, was it? No, not really. No. But could have been could better. Be worse. Could be worse. Could have been better. Absolutely. That's it. We've got a very special guest on this evening who we will buzz in um, in about 10 minutes' time. We're just going to go through our sweet and sour and our WTF first, um, and then we will uh, call in Jackson Trangove. Um, so, Rick, what is your sweet for this week? My sweet is I love the um, the Tom Jonas aggression, putting the uh, putting the knee in the back. Uh, you know, takes us back to yesteryear. I haven't seen a, a Port LA play that player do that in a while. And then the flow on effect of the brawl. I mean, the inner eighties bogan in me still uh, still has fond recollection recollections of uh, that sort of uh, football activity. So. Uh, yeah, even though it's condoned now, it was uh, it was still entertaining. Yeah, I haven't seen a bro like that for a long time. Like it just kept going and no. going and going. I went to walk off yeah, three times, right. and another one would start up. <laughs> it took up almost the you whole bloody a, quarter time break. You would have had a um, you would have had a good vantage point from where you were too. A little bit elevated. A little bit elevated. Yeah, could see a few little spot fires going on. It was great. It was a good bro. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I love the aggression. It was good. Yeah. That's it. What about yours? My sweet. Um, I thought about this one long and hard because I've done Darcy Byrne Jones, I think, the last two weeks. So I didn't really want to do him again, even though he was fantastic. So, look, for me, it was uh, the one corporate room that I was in, uh, which I thought was fantastic. I had a great time. It was a three course meal, great food, good booze, um, perfect view of the ground, plenty of drinks, good times had by all. That's good. I said I went to it last year, and I, I found it a bit too theatrical for me. It was almost a bit insulated. Like I got, a, I was a guest for a, a business, and um, yeah, it, I, yeah, for some reason I don't know it was a bit. I found it a bit sterile, not out with the with the fans and uh, supporting it. So uh, yeah. it was interesting that you had a different take on it. Yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, I don't get to go into sort of corporate things all that often. So, yeah, for me, it was uh, it was pretty interesting to see how it works. And, um, yeah, it was a quick interview with Stewie Cochran as well, which was good. Um, so, yeah, it was certainly, hey, um, uh, it was certainly up there with the, uh, with the lounge and, uh, and the locker room for me. Quick question. Have you had a non-corporate ticket so far this year, Macca? No, no, I haven't actually. actually. So you're a liar. <laughs> You're a bloody well, I don't get to go all that often, but it's just all happened that this has all happened in the first three games of the year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I don't, I don't get into going to corporate often except for every game in 2016. Look, I think I'll be in the cheap seats for the next uh, seven home games, I think. So uh, I think I've used up all my, uh, all my corporate tickets so far. So uh, Todd Bell has written in and said that his best thing from the game was Dangerfield's hissy fit in the first quarter. Um, it's a shame about the uh, the last three quarters he pulled off, but um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, what was your sour? <clears throat> uh, my sour. What was my sour? I just said to you. Oh, the fact that we're looking at um, 
potentially finals only twice in the last nine seasons if we don't make finals this year. So mm. um, but I'm just worried we're becoming a little bit Melbourneized. So hopefully, um, hopefully we can turn it around quickly. And I guess this will be something for deeper conversation maybe after Jacko is finished. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm just worried around the pathway that we're going down. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's certainly a fair point. Um, you know, you want to be making finals. Uh, I guess you can't make finals every year, but more often than not, you want to make finals. And we certainly haven't done that for a long, long time now. So. Uh, hopefully we can turn this season around and uh, and get back to where we should be. Exactly. That's it. My sour this week is, uh, well, again, it's like, where, where do you begin with this weekend? The thing I hated most, I think, was uh, our midfield across, across the whole squad. In the two games against Geelong and Centrals, we gave up 98 clearances to 59 for Port Adelaide. Nearly 40 less clearances mm. in two games. From the top to the very bottom, our midfield's pretty much been in struggle town right now, uh, big time. I'm just not sure uh, we can work our way through it at the moment. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll go into it. I don't want to talk about that too much because we'll go into that in a bit more detail um, after Jackson, but I think that's yeah. a very, very good sour. Pretty sour indeed, that one. What was your uh, WTF moment? I'll keep it quick because I know everyone want to hear Jackson, but... Um, I went with Alex France. I mean, what were you thinking? An absolute <laughs> it dickhead. Re- it, was a, it, was, it wasn't even a real fist to the head. It was like an open palm pitch slap. But, uh, I mean, what was going to happen from there? I mean, I was sorry. I was trying to find the ground to brace the impact, and I just slapped Jack Watts in the head instead. Sorry about that. Well, he's got a bit of a history of throwing some tantrums on field. He seems to do it at least once a year. He's been fined a hell of a lot. Um, being reported a hell of a lot. Um, and, of course, you, you think back to the elimination final against us at Adelaide Oval where he had his little tantrum against Robbie Gray at the, in the last quarter. Um, so he's got form there. Um, it was pretty filthy. Um, really not sure what he expected to come from it. And what did he end up getting? How many games? He got two weeks. Well, good for us, I guess. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Uh, very handy And what for about us. you, mate? What My WTF moment is uh, it's just got to be Frio again. Zero and five. They lost five games for the whole of last season. And I guess the scary Better. thing for them is they face a red-hot Adelaide at home next week. Then they play GWS, who are in pretty good form. Then they play Hawthorne away. I mean, they could easily be zero and eight. And that, that's just ludicrous. They're tanking, They're tanking now. I mean, it's it's very possible. If they lose to Adelaide, it'll be the first time ever in the 120 years of VFL AFL footy that the reigning uh, minor premier has started the following season zero and six. They're tanking. They know they can't. I mean, no one's made finals from zero and five, and I guess they've got an old list that needs to be regenerated. So Ross Lyde, smart. Yeah, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna bomb out, probably just bomb out at the bottom. You know, they've been up the top for a while now, so uh, get the number one pick. Well, that's what I reckon. I guess the danger in that is that um, if they are going to go after Cam McCarthy, you, you don't really want GWS sort of demanding number one picks, do you? No, nah, well, you wouldn't give it for him, would you? Surely. Mm. Don't know. So uh, we'll see how the season pans out. That is it. All right. Should we uh, bring in Jackson? 
Bring in the big fella. All right, let's see how we go here. Yeah, thanks for coming on and uh, donating some of your time to uh, uh, joining us on Port Fan Radio, Jackson. Um, how are you feeling after the uh, after the weekend? You freshened up now, or are you still a bit glum? No, a little bit sore, mate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, still a little bit sore from the weekend. It was a it was a pretty physical game, and you know, in patches it, it looked like we had our our best form back, and um, you know, we just weren't able to sustain that for long enough. But it was a it was a step in in a better better direction from the week before. But obviously, we want to be doing that for you know eighty to one hundred and twenty minutes, and. I think uh, teams will find it uh, find us hard to beat if we're able to play that you know that footy that we brought in that first quarter for for a longer period. Absolutely. <clears throat> yep. Can you talk us through season has... two thousand and sixteen to date? Um, is it fair to say we've underachieved so far? No, oh, I think um, you'd be silly or stupid if you if you thought we'd uh, achieve what we wanted to achieve. It's been. Um, it's been a pretty disappointing start for, for, for us as a footy club. But, um, you know, I sort of spoke to a few people today and I think we've still got to realise that it is still early in the year and, you know, we're, we're two and three. You win a couple and, and you're, still, um, you're still going okay. I think for us, the, um, the thing that we're trying to get back is our, is our best form. You don't want to be winning games and just getting through. You want to be playing your best footy and that's what we haven't been able to bring for long enough periods um, this uh, this start of this season. But as I just mentioned before, I think that first quarter did show signs that, you know, we're still capable of it and, and we can do it. We're just going to have to work out why we're not doing it for, for long enough periods. Hey, Jackson, um, a quick question here about that first quarter to the second quarter onward afterwards. Um, we really got smashed at the clearances and it's been something that's really been noticeable throughout the season. Is that something we can fix quite quickly, you think? Um, yeah, I think it's a, a combination of a few things. I mean, I think we did fix up a, a couple of things with our defensive structure on the weekend. But, yeah, as you mentioned, that first quarter, the second quarter, and we knew Geelong were going to come at some stage because they've, you know, they're, they're a terrific football club. And um, we weren't able to stand up up in those those big moments. I think for you know the first quarter and probably the the, the first half of that second quarter, we were you know playing really good footy. We we're, were three got three or four goals up with eight minutes to go in that um, in that second quarter. So it all happened pretty quickly. But um, yeah, I think it can be fixed um, uh, hopefully quickly, and hopefully our midfield can can get a lot more ball out of the centre and just get it going our way, which is which has been a bit of a struggle for for us as a team this uh, first half of this year. Yeah. Yep. So what's the feeling amongst the group at the moment? Have you all remained pretty positive? Yeah, I think um, last week it was pretty pretty hard to remain positive after the the stuff that we dished up um, against GWS. And, and, you know, we were as disappointed as anyone. And, and this week as well, we, we, we want to get a win. I think that, that, that win um, is going to help us gain a bit of confidence because I think the boys are lacking a bit of confidence. And, and we just really want to get a win for, for not only our supporters, um, everyone involved in the club and ourselves, I think we just need that that win just to just to know you've still got it and you can still play the footy that we're we're capable of. So I think we're um, we're pretty positive um, as a football club, and we know that it's it's a, it's a long year. We know that we're you know we're we're two and three, so we're not that far out of it, even though that we're not playing um, good footy. But um, it can all change pretty quickly, which is hopefully what we can do as a as a side in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Hey, um, just. Just one last one before Macker asks you some fan questions. And, um, you know, two-star players, Chad Wingard, Hamish Hartlett, and coming back from hamstring tightness or injury, you've come back from injury before. And 
I think some of the supporters are a bit frustrated that they're underperforming. Uh, do you think they're maybe lacking a little bit of confidence in their body at the moment? And does it take a few weeks to, to get that back? Oh, to be honest, probably probably not, Rick. I think um, the boys now, the, our physio staff and our um, our medical team are that good at getting the boys up to scratch and, and, and confident in their body. Um, I mean, I think Chatty on the weekend is probably a little bit hard to judge after he got that uh, you know heavy concussion and I don't think he was quite um, in the headspace after that knock. So for him, it's probably a little bit of a, a tough one. That GWS game, you probably got to wipe, um, you know, everything that that happened that game with every player. I don't think it was just them two that that weren't confident in their body. I think it was us as a, as a whole team. So you know, I'll be looking forward to to Hamish um, producing a, a really good um, game this weekend. I think two games back, his body and probably just having those hamstring injuries um, early on in his career, probably playing a little bit in his head. But, you know, we're looking forward to, to him getting back to his best footy this weekend, who will, who will help our side a lot. Outside of Charlie Dixon, the biggest recruit in the off-season was, uh, was Nathan Bassett, who's taken control of the defensive group. Um, you'd obviously have a lot to do with him. What skills has he brought to the club and what impact has he had amongst the players? Yeah, he's probably getting um, harshly judged a little bit at the moment with the way we've defended as a, as a whole team. I think, um, you know, I thought we're starting to get a lot better. I think um, Bass has been terrific for, for us as, as backmen and probably the game's changed a little bit. There is a lot more scoring um, due to just the way that, you know, the um, the uh, interchange and all that sort of changing. But, um, yeah, he's been he's been really good with us. He, he communicates really good with his players, Um He's able to, to keep calm in, in situations where you're probably a little bit hot-headed, which I think um, our, our players have um, really enjoyed. And obviously, his skill set and, and his coaching abilities, um, you know, as good as it gets. He, he took Norwood to a, to a couple of premierships and then obviously um, coached at Essendon. So I think um, you're going to see the best of, of what Bassett's able to bring to us as a, as a group as, of defenders, um, but then also as a, as a team defending because with our team defence in this day and age, um, you're pretty much uh, under the pump and it's pretty hard to defend teams because they're, they're that good at offense nowadays. I was just going to say, is he a little bit frustrated with the amount of scores that we're conceding at the moment? Um, I'd imagine he wouldn't be too happy. Yeah, I think um, I think if you look over the board of the, the AFL, I think the scoring's been a lot um, a lot heavier this whole year with every team. Um, so I think you've got to allow a little bit for the way the game changes. I think... Uh, you know, it'd be silly to think, yeah, we're going to stop teams um, like we were able to do two or three years ago because the game does evolve and it's sort of with every team. But, I mean, you know, high scoring is not ideal for us. We want to be able to, to defend um, to defend uh, inside 50. So probably as a team, um, we need to get back to that team defence, which is really ruthless in, in getting the ball into our 50 and then locking it in with, you know, forward line pressure and, and then obviously setting up in a, in a strong um, position. It's going to make uh, everyone's job a lot easier if we're able to do that. Yeah. Um, one player that's been really impressive to start the year has been Darcy Byrne-Jones. Um, he's improved out of the site the last uh, 12 months. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, he's um, he's been unreal, I think, boys. His last three games have been um, as good as it gets from a, from a young kid coming in. I think the thing that he's impressed me and, and probably the boys the most is how clean he's been with his hands in tight. We knew he was a, a tough um, defender that, you know, really um, attacks the player and, and does his job. But I think his, his speed and, and the way he's um, used the ball coming off that back line has, has been 
um, you know, really added to our team. And, and as I just mentioned before, his hands have been really clean. And he's just not afraid of the contest. So mm. I think um, as long as he keeps doing uh, playing the way he's playing, I don't think he'll um, he'll he'll miss a spot at all. He's been he's been as good as they get, which has been a real bonus for our our team. And I think another one that you've got, to, I've probably got to touch on is Jasper Pidot, who started off the season. I think um, you know in really good form and taking the game on, whether we're down or up. But then he's also defending really hard as well. Uh, so we've got some uh, forum questions. Uh, Port WTF has asked, um, there's probably lots of things you guys are working on at the moment, but what would you say is the top priority to get right? Oh, probably our defence as a team. Um, that and, and winning more clearances and, and getting the ball going out of our centre, I think is probably two of the the key things that we're focusing on. I think team defence is, is cr- crucial to, to the way, um, you know, whether you win or lose. And then obviously... If you're getting that ball out of the midfield um, enough times into your into your forward fifty, our forwards are going to be able to get the job done. So probably those two things are the are the key focus at the moment. Yep. Um, Phil Reich and Todd Bell have both asked the question of um, how has the absence of Gus and Paddy affected the group, and and how are those two lads going? Yeah, I'm at dinner with um, Paddy right now, actually. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, still catching up with the, the boys a lot. Um, Paddy's just smacked down a, a big lasagna and just uh, just hoeing into a coffee at the moment. But, um, uh, yeah, we, we are missing those two boys. I think just Gus's energy that he brought to the to the club and then obviously Paddy's dominance in, in the ruck. Um, I think everyone's sort of seeing how good Paddy Ryder was as a, as a tap ruckman or he's, he's going to be as a tap ruckman. But, um, yeah, we're missing, we're missing both those boys a, a fair bit. Absolutely. Hey, I just wanted to ask you quickly: How difficult is it to catch up with Angus and and Paddy Ryder? And because you're not allowed to talk, you're not allowed to talk footy with them at all, are you? Uh, I think outside the club, it's it's pretty easy. I mean, I've I've got a really good bond with with Paddy, so we caught up with um, with Paddy just before the start of the season. Went went on a golfing trip, and he obviously he lives just around the corner from my house. So catching up with with Paddy a fair bit. Gus is on the other side of town, so a lot of the boys from out that side of town are still catching up with him, but. Yeah, it does make it a little bit harder when they're not able to come into the club and, and see the boys. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Ruckman, we've had a few questions regarding your ruck work um, in the last couple of seasons. We've seen you perform uh, match-winning roles, uh, pinch-hitting in the ruck on uh, quite a few occasions. Is there a reason why we don't really see you in the ruck these days? I think the um, probably just installed a lot of confidence in Lobes to, to get back to that form that... Um, that he was such a dominant ruckman, and I think um, you know, I think Kenny wanted to settle me down back a little bit. Um, obviously, losing Alapade, we've we've probably had to stick to to a bit more structure down back. But um, yeah, I think um, I think hopefully in the in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, this week uh, got reported, but um, whether I, I can um, appeal that and get off or not. But um, yeah, I think in the next couple of weeks you might see me in the in the ruck a bit more. Um, we've also had a couple of questions regarding the uh, the process following a game in terms of the review. How is the post-game review conducted? Is it sort of done as a whole team or broken up into lines? Um, a certain player singled out. Uh, is it Ken that leads it or is it the rest of the coaches or the players? Um, and what sort of impact does that have on the week's training? All right, I'll try and answer it as best I can. Um, yep. We have uh, a team meeting which, which is everyone involved. Um, Ken obviously... Uh, he runs that. We also go into a line meeting, um, which which is in your forwards, backs, and mids, which um, probably goes for half an hour to to an hour, and then the team meeting goes a bit longer. Obviously, the last couple of weeks have been tough because of the the performances that we've been um, 
been dishing up. Or I mean, definitely last week against GWS, some of the clips that we we watched over that weren't acceptable and and you know were really embarrassing as as a club. Um, that was a, a tough one. I mean, this week was a a little bit more positive with with um, us showing some signs of, of our best footy, but um, obviously that, as I mentioned to you before, just that consistency and being able to do it over a longer period is what we're, what we're required. Um, yeah, it does have a little bit of a, an effect on probably the week, but I mean, the boys, um, you know, try and move on from the game after we've learnt what we can from it, move on and, and try and get better that afternoon. So from the review, we go out into the track and, and do some training and Pretty much focus on what we, we what we weren't able to get done on the weekend. Yeah, it does make it a lot easier when you win, though, boys. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, um, we've had a couple of questions in regards to uh, stoppages and clearance work as well. Um, we currently have more stoppages in our games than any other club. Um, do you feel this is a directive from other clubs to try and force more stoppages? Um, and what exercises do we do to try and combat this? Uh, it's pretty hard to be able to force more stoppages as a team, boys. It's I don't think any team would be able to say that they can force us to have more stoppages. We're probably just not clearing the area enough um, uh, when we're in there. I think at times we're getting our hands on it, but we're we're not quick kicking um, to our forwards, which is probably a thing that we could we could probably try and do a bit a bit easier. It, it happens so quickly in there, so you know a split second decision whether you try and handball and, and chain out or or get on the boot and, and kick forward. Um, yeah, it's probably a little bit where we've we've probably dropped off with just our decision of of, um, of making the right decision straight away and 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 being clean with um, the way we do it. Yeah. Mm. How much say do the players get in terms of game style? Um, is there a chance for input from the players, or is it entirely dictated by the coaches? Oh, there's a there's a bit of impact. Uh, uh, I think mainly is the coaches. I mean, we believe in in our game plan. Um, 100%. I think it's a it's a proven game plan when we are doing what we're what we're told. So when we're able to to um, we dropped out again. We're we still no no you're all good no no we're all, all good. Um, yeah, when we're able to when we're able to um, to deliver what we're what we're asked to do, I think our game plan works. Well, it definitely works. It's it's proven. It's just about being able to do it over a longer period. And this season, for whatever reason, we haven't been able to do it consistently for for long enough and. Um, yeah, I think that's the disappointing part from us as a group because um, you know we want to be able to play a really good, hard, defensive style of, of, of footy, but then um, when we get the ball, attack and take it on through the middle, which, as I've mentioned a few times, we, we showed it in patches, but now it's just about playing it for, for four quarters or you know for the majority of the game where we can where we can get on top and, and win a few games in a row and and then build confidence because as as I said that you know confidence confidence does uh, it does make a it's a big thing around football clubs and, and we probably need to get a little bit um, on our side I think and, and a win will definitely do that cool got one last question Macca we've seen sort of over the last few years um, some teams can score pretty heavily against us when they've got momentum um, what plan does the team currently have in place to counteract this and is that an initiative of the coaches or did the players sort of control that uh, I'm probably not going to say what we what we do, just sure. in case um, the opposition get a hold of. It. But yeah, we definitely got some things in place which we we go into. I think um, you know momentum changes so many times during AFL games nowadays, and it's, it's about knowing when the momentum's hit on the other team's um, side, and then being able to stop it and then get it back on on your terms. And 
probably we, we haven't been able to do that um, well enough this season and it's probably a thing that we've been working on for, for a long period of time and it's a, it's a tricky one because we are playing that really bright or we want to play that really brave style of footy and, and when you just want to keep doing that and don't really want to go into a uh, you know, you say a boring a, a style of footy of, of controlling the game and getting it back on your terms. It does make it a little bit hard, but it's something that we're definitely working on so that we can stop the momentum of the opposition, get it back on our terms, and then go again into our green style and attacking style of footy that, you know, we love and, and obviously the fans love to watch. But as I've mentioned a hundred times, we just need to get um, more consistent with uh, with our behaviours and the way we're going about our footy. Yep. Thanks, Jackson, for coming on. Thanks for uh, signing up to be an ambassador of New Vision once again. Um, you know, it's not a not the best time to come on to any radio or interview after a loss. So, fingers crossed you get cleared and you uh, are free to play in a win this weekend against Richmond on Saturday night. Yeah, no, thanks a lot, boys. I look forward to, to coming on here a bit this uh, this season, and hopefully we can get on the end of a few wins uh, on a Monday and, and talk some um, talk some good stuff with the fans and obviously you guys. It's, uh, it's a great um, great initiative for the, the Port Fan Radio. I think it's going to be um, a success. So I look forward to it, boys. And, and as I said, hopefully we can get, uh, get in chatting after a nice win and, and talk some really good stuff. And that's it. Thanks, Jackson. Thanks, mate. Rick. Awesome. There we go. Well, that was, ins- that was insightful. Pretty insightful, I think, yeah. We should... We should probably put in a plug. Thanks for New Vision. Thanks paid, for New Vision. Pay for him to coming on. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's good. So, that's right. Well, Sorry we didn't get to all business. the questions. It would have been great to answer all the questions that we had available, but um, obviously there's time constraints, so we can save some for uh, for next time he's on as well. Um, so Absolutely. we might as well get straight into the review of what happened on the weekend. It was round five, um, and it was another suboptimal performance by Port Adelaide on Saturday night, losing to Geelong by 48 points, 8 goals 11 to 16 goals 11, uh, despite leading by 24 points at quarter time, uh, which was the club's biggest leading margin at quarter time against the Cats in 14 years. Uh, Port Adelaide managed just uh, three more goals for the game. Uh, Charlie Dixon kicked three, uh, whilst Ollie Wines also added two. Uh, so, Rickster, uh, I guess let's talk about the first quarter first. Um, how did you see that first quarter, and, and how were you feeling at quarter time? Well, I mean, it was an invigorating first quarter, wasn't it? I mean, Geelong were lethargic. We were running on top of the ground, and we were, and we, everyone, I'm sure, was thinking, here we go. The midfield was uh, pushing hard, running hard, and we were winning the clearances, I thought. And, um, look, it was just a dominant performance by us and an insipid performance by um, uh, by Geelong. So uh, at that first interchange break, even with the uh, the melee, I was uh, I was very optimistic for what was to come. How did you How did you find the first quarter? You would have been quite happy, I would imagine. Yeah, I was about four beers deep by then, or five beers deep. So I was pretty <laughs> uh, pretty happy anyway. But um, look, I didn't think we were all that clean, but we were certainly effective, um, and I thought we were actually winning the midfield pretty convincingly. Um, for just about the first time this year, really. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a decent first quarter. Um, we were getting the ball forward. I was pretty happy at quarter time. Um, I thought we could have been a little bit further in front, but on the other hand, I guess uh, Geelong missed quite a few sort of shots on goal as well. Uh, I thought the key moment, well, almost the turning point for me, was, uh, was a moment almost on quarter time where... Um, uh, Wingard received the ball on, on about the 50. He had Amon and another player sort of streaming towards goal. 
absolute clear as day. He decided to sort of stop and turn around and and uh, had a bit of a left foot kick, which was kind of a bit of a nothing kick. We weren't really sure if he was having a shot or if he was sort of trying to pass into the path of, of Carl Amon, but it didn't really hit his target. I think it sort of um, got rushed three for a behind and... I don't know, if we just sort of hit that target and, and kick that goal and, and you go into quarter time sort of five goals up, I mean, it's uh, it might have been that sort of little bit uh, too far for Geelong to maybe come back from. It might have done their confidence a bit more harm. Actually, that, I remember that. Wasn't he sort of, it almost looked like he was having a shot at goal, but he was sort of, um, it was almost like he was chipping it to Westhoff in the goal square. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't watched the replay, so I'm not too sure what it looks like on TV, yeah. but um, I was directly behind that at the time, and Carl Amon was just in an absolute field of space, and we were all like, oh, look at this, we're going to get another goal, and then it just sort of, it's like, why has he turned around? Like, what's going on here? Mm. And, uh, yeah, it just didn't happen. But Yeah, yeah, I, I guess it's, I mean, they were, they were still sort of, what, about 40 out, weren't they? So... And you're going across across goals instead of a direct line straight to goal. I mean, yeah. that's the only logic I could put to it. But I mean, I was really, I was actually happy with Ollie Wines' output and Travis Boat's output in that first quarter. Yeah, um, yeah they really, yeah, they really stood up from previous weeks and uh, were quite influential in the play. And, and Travis looked like he had a lot of zip uh, in his legs, and he was and he was saying, "I'm going to take take this game on and be the captain." Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was very uh, inspiring. And, um, you know, to be honest, at the quarter time with that melee with Tom Jonas, I didn't think Tom Jonas did anything wrong anyway. Uh, he went up to spoil and, you know, what's wrong with... Yeah, it's good that our players have got a little bit of mongrel in there. And, you know, everyone's saying uh, with the Port, Port supporters, that, you know, maybe Port's become too nice a team. Uh, so it was good to see a little bit of mongrel and... Yeah. Uh, I don't think the I don't think that quarter time ruckus actually had any bearing on being distracted after that. Um, but um, if we segue into that second quarter, I think the most we could talk about this probably for fifteen minutes. I reckon Macca is uh, we just I just thought our work rate just came to uh, a complete stop. We just stopped yeah. working. It was almost it was almost like the boys <clears throat> thought the job's done. Let's slap each other on the back, fellas, and uh, they just watched Geelong hunt the pack in numbers and did nothing about it. Yeah, you are right in that um, a lot of big names did come to play in that first quarter, and that was great to see because it's been a few of our sort of elite players struggling a bit this year, but you know, Brody, I think, had eight touches at quarter time. So did Ebert, so did Pittard. Uh, Travis Boke had seven, I think, um, and Ollie Wines had six. So a lot of those big names did come to play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right, Broadbent's... Um first quarter was fantastic uh, I thought he really uh, he did drop off after that though but yeah, um, yeah. yeah you can't you, you couldn't criticise his first quarter that's for sure yeah, I actually thought the first sort of 10 to 15 minutes of, our, of the second quarter we were still sort of we still had that intensity and we just couldn't really yeah. get anything going um, Geelong really sort of, sort of tightened up down back um, and we couldn't really find any real space inside 50 to sort of uh, to work anything and, and get any sort of scoring shots. And I guess that's um, where it all broke down. Maybe it was mindset. Maybe we sort of um, took it a little bit too easy, um, thinking that we were up and we, we were on our way to a win. I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, what happened uh, in the back end of that second quarter, mate? Because Ge- Geelong just went bang and kicked uh, six goals in about 10 minutes. 
Yeah, I didn't even think um, Geelong's tolls were as influential as what they were against us at Adelaide Oval last year. Um, mm. They weren't as noticeable to me as they this year compared to last. But, yeah, Joel Selwood, uh, I thought Guthrie, uh, Patrick Dangerfield, obviously, they just really uh, murdered us in that pack situation and, and we didn't have any answers for it. Yeah. Do you think that melee really did sort of spur Geelong on? Because Dangerfield went onto another level in that second quarter. He kicked a couple of goals, set up another one, um, and was just about unstoppable. Uh, look, I don't think the uh, the melee had anything to do with it. I, I just think it's symptomatic of what we've been putting up so far this season. We've just been showing games in glimpses and, and patches. And, yeah, I think... I think it's a, almost a head in the sand mentality, like from from Ken Hinckley saying, "Oh, you know, if we do what we did in the first quarter, it's good enough, but we're not we're not doing it for long enough." Well, <laughs> I mean, you can't really say that with one quarter. I mean, you could argue if you, your team was doing it for three and a half quarters and you were just staggering across the line and fell over, um, yeah. and you fell short or fell over the line. But yeah, to say uh, yeah, what we're doing for one quarter is great. Uh, we just need to replicate that for three more quarters. I mean, I think that's a bit of an indictment. And I feel like at this point in time in Henkley's career, and I'm not advocating for him to be pushed out the door, um, but I, I do think uh, he's sounding a little bit desperate with some of his replies at the moment. And yeah. it, maybe that's being maybe that's apparent in his coaching as well. Mm. I don't know. I actually thought he was quite honest in his um, in his thoughts after the game on in the uh, in the press conference it was a lot less sort of cliche talking and, and a bit more sort of honesty there and sort of working through some of the issues and what he's got to face in terms of uh, of players sort of coming back in and, and all that sort of stuff so i actually thought he was uh, he did a good job in the press conference after the game I had a couple of comments on the uh, on the chat room uh Port says that he thought uh, we were still playing like headless chooks in the first uh, Todd Bella said that uh, we thought we had them covered after the first quarter and took our foot off the pedal. Geelong swamped us and it was all over. And I guess that's pretty much how it happened. You know, we were sort of on top. Um, then you sort of blink and suddenly you're two goals down at half time, just in, in, in the real sort of blink of an eye. So uh, certainly it wasn't great. Um, what happened after half time, Matt? Well, it was just a massacre. I know the beers were flowing for me, so it made the pain a lot less. <laughs> severe, um, but uh, I was I was quite enjoying myself. But uh, oh, look, I, really, it just comes down to midfield domination and work rate. We just did not work hard enough. And the thing that um, I guess I missed being at the game, um, I don't know for those who watched it on TV from interstate or whatever, but what happened with Robbie Gray? I mean, you know, they were sort of portraying it that he was sulking on the bench and. Um, you know, did he did he have a dummy spit or, or what's the story? Well, he, he certainly had a dummy spit again in terms of um, sort of lashing out and, and having a crack at Tim Ruggles, I think it was, um, which he got reported for. Um, so that's uh, I guess that's something which uh, which you don't really want. Um, you know, second time in two weeks that that's happened, and I think it's pretty poor form by one of our leaders who's uh, who's really struggling struggling out there and. I don't think sort of lashing out at your opponent is really the answer and you've really got to work a bit harder than that uh, to try and turn your game around. And I think there was a moment, I didn't really catch it, but there was a moment on uh, on the TV screen where they showed him on the bench and he was sort of, I don't know if he was having a bit of a whinge, but he looked pretty down in the dumps about how he was going. And look, that's probably the worst game he's played for 
well, since probably the first few games he came back from his knee injury, really. So, um, yeah, it wasn't really a good one. No. So, I didn't even know that Chad took a heavy knock in the GWS game. Did you notice anything? Oh, I think he took a heavy knock in the Geelong game. Because, oh, I, yeah, I thought Jackson said it was in the uh, GWS game. But, um, yeah, I missed it. I mean, but yeah, if, he, if he took a heavy knock and uh, was sort of a you know, borderline concussed or whatever, well, that sort of explains it. Because I've got to say, that's probably the worst game I reckon I've seen Chad play in his whole career. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, he certainly didn't do anything. Um, yeah, it was, uh, he was, it was just, pretty disappointing. He was just disinterested. Yeah, um, I guess if he's got concussion, then that might explain that a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he was an absolute non-event, um, which is probably yeah. the third time this year that's happened. So um, I guess the signs aren't all that well with uh, with Chad at the moment. Um, so, Macca, if we're, um, if we're not winning the centre clearances, are we at a loss what, how to attack through the, the new zoning systems of opposition teams? I think the worst part of how we're going at the moment isn't just the uh, the clearance problem. And look, we've got the worst clearance differential in the league, so that is definitely the major problem. I think the other major problem is um, is the skills. We just can't hit targets. We, we don't have the skills to hit targets of, of any length across the field. You know, you look at, uh, I think it was Carl Amon who chipped back to Paul Stewart, missed him by about five metres and they got a goal from it. <laughs> And that was just about the the second turning point in the game because I thought we actually sort of did a decent job of stemming the flow a little bit in the first half of that third yeah. quarter. And then that happened and it was pretty much game over. We didn't look like um, pretty well scoring again from that moment on. Well, oh, that was embarrassing. I felt sorry for them. It was, I, I uh, feel sorry for Carl, <laughs> to be honest. But, <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, that happened numerous times. There was numerous times where we just didn't hit the target that we had to and look Geelong's pressure was really really good they've got a pretty quick side and were able to shut us down again but once again we just seem a bit too one-dimensional especially coming out of the back line uh, I know a lot of people have complained on the forum in the last couple of days about one-dimensional sort of kick-in strategy where we either sort of kick it long to the flank to the left-hand flank or we kick to the pocket and then click kick it long to the left-hand flank and there's sort of really nothing else that we do about that we certainly don't try and break the mm. lines I'm not sure where that sort of really fast slingshot that we had uh, going back last year and the year before is gone but yeah it looks like our kicking strategy straight out of 1996 at the moment yeah we seem to have lost confidence with the slingshot haven't we since yeah opposition teams just started building that wall again along the half back line and um, sort of slowed us down. We've sort of lacked the courage to continue with the game plan and try and beat it. And mm. I guess, you know, I mean, if we compare ourselves to the best team in the competition, which I seem to do every week, Hawthorne, they, they, they have the confidence to maintain possession of the ball, use their skills and, and chip through the zone and sort of push upwards because I think that's the key and that's what I've seen with us is, um, you know, as well with opposition teams against us, they, they take their time um, and break through that barrier so they get it sort of 70, 80 metres out of out from their goals and then the space opens up in the, the widest expanse of the oval and we don't seem to be uh, having an ability or the confidence to do that ourselves and so like you rightly said, we, we're just sort of kicking long down the line and uh, there's minimal run or minimum, minimal confidence 
to run because we've got it in there. We've got the players to do it still, but um, they're just not doing it. Yeah. I just get this real sense of sort of Choco-style footy um, at the sort of latter end of his coaching career where there's always just that sort of one moment and the game changed at that moment and then we just sort of disintegrated mentally from that point on and, and ended up losing the game. And the same thing really happened on the weekend. And and that leads me to what I was posting up on the forum that, you know, we've had some players or we've got some players now in our system that have been around since that era. Um, you know, are there some players that maybe aren't psychologically up to it in our group dynamic? and maybe no need to be moved on and we need to get some fresh heads into the side. I think if we miss the finals this year, we're going to see some serious changes to the playing list, I think. Even though some guys have contracts, um, I think we're going to see a few players sort of uh, head out of the system, which, uh, which I think might be needed if we do actually miss the finals this year because you can't put all these players on long-term contracts on big money and not get any sort of output from them at all. And that's what's really no. disappointing at the moment. No, well, they've been rewarded very, very well um, for their, A, for their loyalty um, to the club, but B, for the performances that have really been served over the, uh, the longer period of time. And as mm. I said at the beginning of the show, if we, our form continues, we're looking at two finals appearances in the last nine seasons. And that's... As far as I'm concerned, our mantra is to win. It, win. We exist to win premierships and we're not living up to our mantra. And yeah. uh, uh, as a football club, are we being innovative like we were in the 80s and 90s uh, with who we recruited, um, who we brought into the, to the club? You know, have we, ha- you know, the question might need to be asked, are we struggling um, with the transition into the AFL system from the SANFL system where, you know, we did rely a fair bit on developing internally. And, yes, I know we did bring in some some great uh, servants from elsewhere like Bob McLean and Foss Williams. But, you know, over the recent here, history, we've generally internalised most of our uh, coaches and recruits and, you know, maybe we need to uh, look at how we're doing things. So you think people are struggling to uh, to buy into Port Adelaide football? Maybe. Maybe Port Adelaide is struggling to buy out of Port Adelaide football. Hmm. Maybe, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Hawthorne were up shit creek without a paddle in the early 2000s. And what did they do? They, they didn't go internal. Uh, they pretty much went, they, they, they pretty much ripped, the bulk of the IP out of the Port Adelaide Football Club um, and uh, use it to their advantage to improve. Now, I don't know, and I'm happy to this to be uh, counter-argued, but I don't know if we've got the courage um, to go out uh, and do the same thing. And if we have, I don't know if we've done it as successfully as what other clubs have. No, that's a fair point. Porsche has written in on the chat room and said uh, developing internally is fine. It's our recruitment which is unfocused. Yeah, and look, Porsche, you're right. You've been banging on about it for years, and and that's why I think maybe if Craig, as you said, if we you know we don't perform like we should, and there's going to be changes, 
maybe we've got a plethora of half-back flankers. Maybe some of those are going to go for specialist midfielders, perhaps. Yeah. We really do need more pace, more sort of midfield grunts as well. And, you know, another key forward would be good and another Ruckman and uh, maybe a bit more experience around the park as well. So, who knows? Who well, knows we're going to have... We're going to have Paddy Ryder back, aren't we? So, yeah. Um, yeah, so hopefully his fitness isn't going to be too damaged from having a year off of football. I mean, it could be the converse for us. I mean, Paddy Ryder coming back, uh, having this year off at 28 or whatever age he is, um, it might actually elongate his career a little bit, let his body recover from uh, the hits and the bumps uh, from playing in a tough position like in the ruck, and uh, we might be better for it, but... I mean, clearly, uh, clearly we need Patrick Ryder in the in the ruck. I mean, have a look at the correlation. When we dropped Loby and ruck um, Ryder full time, how did our performance improve last year? Oh, it improved out of sight, and we we won a lot of games with him as the the lead ruck uh, in the back end of the season. But well, know, I guess it's something. I mean, I mean the I guess the the slow sort of um, regression of of Loby. I mean, he was never a, a fantastic. Uh, tap Ruckman to begin with, but he, he had a lot of heart. He was able to sort of battle on, but that's just not there at the moment either. So I don't think it's all his but fault, he was winning. of course. But he was winning, uh, you know, two years ago, he was winning the hitouts. I don't know if he was winning the hitouts to the advantage, but uh, I reckon he was baking some players. But No, the he was, the he was always, out. he's always been one of the worst Ruckman in terms of hit out to advantage percentage in the league, and even in his best year in 2014, he was in the bottom sort of uh, couple in terms of regular ruckman in that stat. Well, I mean, we got smashed on Saturday with Loby in the ruck. I mean, what was it, 60 to 28 hit outs or something? It was a, yeah. an absolute annihilation, and I don't think our players um, can adjust to having to shark the opposition winning the taps. Yeah. Uh, which is where I was sort of going with Paddy Ryder last year because Paddy came in, won the taps, and you know our midfield looked like superstars. Um, but when our Rutman's not winning, we don't seem to be able to structure up and uh, and position correctly to rove the opposition um, uh, tap Rutman, and which sort mm. of was intimated. Which uh, the other intimation from Jackson, which I found quite interesting, which is something that me and you've been uh, arguing about this season, is that uh, he even. Uh, pointed out that, uh, you know, they rely heavily on the coach's instructions, which sort of reinforces what I'm saying, that, you know, everyone's blaming the players, but, you know, if the players are heavily reliant on the coach's instructions for the structures, maybe we need to look at the coaches and what instructions are they giving the players. Yeah, that's fair enough. Do you think the coaching group and the selection committee should be culpable for this loss? Um, And what I mean is... We knew that Geelong were going to come in with three guys that can ruck, three very uh, capable ruckmen um, against Loby on his own. Do we really think that Howard should have been named? And my other point of this question is, we would have trained all pre-season with three key forwards in the forward line, with Dixon, Schultz and Westhoff. Schultz gets injured round one, and we haven't gone back to that structure since. So what, you know, what's going on there? Like... Is there a bit of confusion going on up forward and with the midfielder on who to kick to? Because I think um, as much as I've um, been heavily critical of someone like Justin Westhoff and his form, um, I think he might be a little bit screwed over a little bit in terms of uh, not having that third uh, toll up there to take the pressure off. And certainly the same with Dixon as well. 
Um, yeah, look, I, I do find the coaches culpable with their selection. I, it was, I'm an amateur follower and I, and I thought we, we should have taken in another tall, whoever. I don't really care. I mean, Dougal Howard seemed the logical choice. I thought he was reasonable for us in the first game. Um, yeah, it reminds me of Mark Williams was having no confidence in the players underneath and bringing them forward. Um, that's what Choco was like at the end of his era as well. Very conservative and, mm. um, and, you know, sort of just continually protecting the senior players. But absolutely, um, I mean, we all know that South Australia in April would still dry at night time. So unless there's rain forecast, why wouldn't you have another tall player? And, I mean, it was just a risky game. And I guess you, they could argue, well, look at the first quarter and it showed that we weren't one, one tall too short. Um, but, uh, you know, our midfielders bit the dust after the first quarter anyway. Yeah. And uh, Dougal <laughs> Howard even coming up as the third man to ne- try and negate theirs uh, you know, would have helped Loby in some capacity. And like you said, an extra tool to provide something in our forward structure. So, mm. yes, I, I, did, I didn't like it at all. We seem to go through this every year, and Todd Bell's mentioned this on the on the chat room as well. Um, we just have no faith in our tolls. We can't be good for confidence, uh, even playing for the Magpies. And look, even going back three years when uh, Mason Shaw was in ripping form, we didn't pick him. Last year, we didn't pick players. Uh, we, we chose Butcher late on, I guess. Um, and this year, we've got um, someone like Dougal Howard, who played some really impressive footy for the Magpies in the first couple of rounds, who's had that one uh, look in um, in the showdown, and that's it. And I, I just can't fathom why you would train all pre-season for one structure, and then you just blow it when one of those players gets injured. It just does my head in. And when you see someone yeah. like, um, for example, Mitch McGovern for Adelaide, who's just uh, playing some super impressive footy um, at the moment as a, as a young key forward in his first sort of crack at AFL footy. Why don't we ever do that? Why don't we put faith in these players, in these young players that we've got, uh, to do a similar sort of job? Because we don't, we're protecting a Macca. We don't, we don't want them to get hurt physically and we don't want them to be scarred mentally. I mean, give me a break. Just you know, some of these kids just want to want an opportunity, and uh, just give it to them. And I, I reckon Dougal's deserved his opportunity. Oh no doubt, absolutely. And we need that sort of player in the side. We need someone like whenever Westhoff uh, goes skulking down back to be that loose man that he does so well. Um, that just leaves our entire forward structure in disarray. And <laughs> there were well, pretty much half the game on the weekend we had Dixon in the in the goal square. And then a bunch of smalls all around him. Like, how is that ever going to work? Yeah, look, and I think I think Dixon's actually getting uh, uh, very, very poorly uh, maligned um, by the crowd. I don't think he's uh, that bad as what people are saying, and uh, the delivery he that he's well. getting. Yeah, look, the delivery he's getting is atrocious. Uh, it's being bombed on his head. I mean, if you're going to bomb it, at least bomb it so he's running running to the ball in the pack yeah. situation, you know? I mean, him having to run backwards or just being plonked so he can get smashed by the defenders, I mean, it's not really... Uh, yeah, it's not it's not A-class delivery, that's for mm-hmm. sure. So, um, yeah, I... Yeah, look, it's just very frustrating. I mean, we supposedly didn't go away uh, this year. Uh, for training because we were going to work on our skills 
So um, why? Uh, well, that why happened, our does skills? It? <laughs> yeah. So why are our skills so poor still? Well, that's uh, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Because uh, it's not is it good confidence. Enough. Well, I think is it's it confidence. I think it's all down to pressure and certainly confidence and perceived pressure. You, you think you're under. You think you're about to get sort of tackled by your opponent, so you just bang it on the boot, and that's really seemed to be our sort of forward kicking strategy all year: is just bang it as hard and as high as you can, and hope for the best. And certainly hasn't worked um, anywhere near enough uh, this year, and and it's pretty much uh, the main reason why we're struggling at the moment, I guess. But well, I mean, it has to be slightly psychological because. How can you have players like Sam Gray and Brendan Archie that looked fantastic as we closed in on the last season and we were thinking they're going to be shooting stars for 2016? And and Sam Gray's disposal efficiency is now, you know, what, tracking under 50% and they're, they're not even in contested situations. So, yep. you know, really it's deplorable. And, you know, Brad Ebert too, came to us from the West Coast with questionable uh, disposal and in the first two years his disposal was actually quite reasonable but uh, now he's gone to dust as well I mean it surely it has to be psychological they're not handling the pressure of um, you know so does it come down to them not handling the pressure of trying to work them work their way through the modern zone Uh, are the instructions they're being given to try and work their way through the zone not good enough it's (laughs) mate it would be nice to be a fly on the wall wouldn't it Mm. Look, I don't think this group is an overly skilled group, and and it's never been. There, there's been times where, because of our fitness advantage in 2014, um, we were able to sort of um, get the better of our opponent in terms of skills due to fatigue and that sort of thing later on in games. But I don't think this group has ever been a silky smooth group, um, and I think that's why we've tried to sort of um, draft some uh, some better skilled players, guys like Amon, guys like Cracker are coming back in. Polek, we got. Um, so, so we, I think we've tried to turn it around, um, but I still think the core players in this group don't have the foot skills to be elite. Um, they're not going to hit those sort of targets that a Hawthorne do or a Sydney do time and time and time again. No matter what stage of the game, no matter what sort of fatigue you're under. Um, and it just seems that um, whenever we get a little bit tired late in games or, or you know, the, the mindset's not quite there, we just fall back into bad habits that we had in sort of 2011 and 2012. Mm. Yeah, which is quite shameful, really, mm. uh, and disappointing. But uh, I don't know. What do we do? It's uh, I'm at a loss. Mm. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I mean, it's at that point now. Maybe, I don't know. I guess we've got uh, three games coming up, which you would hope we should win all three. Um, it might be tempting fate a bit there. I don't know. But, you know, Richmond are in no sort of form at all. Um, Brisbane are strugglers. Carlton are strugglers. So if, we, if we're going to get back into some sort of form, the next three weeks is the perfect time for us to sort of knuckle down, get our head back in the game, hopefully win these three games, um, which would put us, what are we then? Sort of five wins, three losses. Um, and actually in a, in a decent sort of position, sort of ladder-wise, uh, to have a decent crack for the rest of the year. Yeah, look, I mean, it would give us that platform. 
And, I mean, let's face it, we've lost to GWS, which is, what, in the top six. We've lost to uh, Geelong, that's in the top four. And we've lost to Adelaide, that's in the top eight. So mm. we've lost to form top eight sides, um, which I guess if we want to be a top eight side, we have to win those games. And, uh, you know, losing to Geelong at home is atrocious and continues our atrocious record against Geelong, which is just atrocious. And I'm just going <laughs> to keep using the word atrocious because it makes me sick that we keep losing to them. Um, but, uh, look, it's, it's not doom and gloom just yet. And I, I think everyone's bloody now pessimistic that we won't even beat Richmond. I would hope that we, uh, we still beat Richmond. I mean, we, and that's the bipolar nature of our side at the moment. We're, we've got the goods against the lesser teams, so it's we just need to work our way through this zone, this press a lot better. We're, mm-hmm. we're just not executing it with any confidence at all, which, to, well, maybe Matthew Nix has to come under some secu- um, scrutiny as well. I mean, he's the offensive coach, so, you know, is he giving them, is he taking time to transition from defensive coach to offensive coach within his instructions yeah. and uh, and Michael Voss fix up the clearances for crying out loud yeah look Voss is uh, is copying it left right and centre at the moment I, I don't think it's all him um, I think we always forget that uh, Gary Hocking is a midfield coach as well um, so I guess it's well how long's how long's Gary Hocking been with us well he's been with us for about 10 years now and what have we done in the last 10 years not a whole lot <laughs> well then what do you do do you institutionalise someone regardless of results or do you make people culpable of their results and accountable Yeah. well look we got rid of Josh Carr and Tyson Edwards pretty quick uh, we got rid of Sean Wren pretty quick so um, again if we miss finals this year maybe we see some wholesale changes to the, the coaching group maybe Matthew Nix does go maybe Aaron Greaves goes I don't know maybe Surgeon moves on Um well, you know, I mean, I there's, mean, there's again, plenty of options there, um, and really, you, you just got to work work at it until you find the right group. Is that fringe? Is that the scapegoat fringe mentality? Like our players that get dropped each week? Yeah, let's let's drop the uh, the least influential of the of the side uh, in the coaching department. It's yeah, but I can't. I wouldn't have much sympathy for any of the coaches if they. Uh, if we don't make finals this year and make finals well, because they've had more enough opportunity. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, I would love, a, I'd love a, a permanent and proper ruck coach. Um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think Luby's showing that we need one. And uh, yeah, I'm not so sure Reh's call with uh, like having Warren Treadray back as a forward coach anymore. I don't. Now that it, now that a forward coach is in in control of the forward movement of the play of the whole field, mm. um, it sort of makes sense to sort of have maybe an attacking midfielder um, as the coach with maybe then a forward specialist coach just to help the key forwards with their positioning inside that structure. Yeah. All right, that's fair enough. I guess it's uh, time to move on and talk. Um about the SANFL, Port played Central Districts at Alberton on Sunday, and, and it was a pretty similar story, really. Uh, losing by 30 points, 9 goals 8 to 13 goals 14. Uh, Central's kicked uh, 5 goals to nil in the third quarter to, uh, to really break out to that match-winning lead at the final change. Uh, Dan Houston in his debut, and Luke Reynolds uh, were the only multiple goal scorers with uh, 2 goals each. Great. 
we got we got smashed at the clearances again. So mm. maybe maybe it is something that's happening in coaching paradise down at Alberton because what's happening at the junior level is happening at the senior level. So um, yeah, I guess the elephant in the room is uh, Chad Corns's post game comments, Macca. Yep. So what were they? What uh, what didn't you like about? Them? Well, who said I didn't like anything about it? You did. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't. I, I think it. I think they were comments um, that should have been kept behind closed doors. So I'm paraphrasing here, but um, you know, so Chad's coming out in the media and basically said that the AFL, some of the AFL players, played selfish football, um, just trying to get possessions for themselves instead of playing the team game. And he would have preferred to have picked some SA NFL contracted players instead of the AFL players, but couldn't because uh, of contractual arrangements. Mm. Now, um, I just think that's that's something you know, that, to me, can really, from a public persona or public perception, can really make the club, those sort of things, look fractured. And, uh, you know, they're coming out going, oh, we're not fractured, we're not divided, we're unified, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but when you get coaches coming out saying people are playing uh, selfish football and really isolating a particular group in the team, uh, I don't know how that's showing a uh, unified approach. Mm. I think you raised some fair points there, but I'm I'm not too fussed about Chad's comments. I think uh, some people need a bit of a, a wake-up call. Um, you know, it's not a right to be on an AFL list. It is an absolute privilege, um, and you've got to work hard. And in our current situation where we've under-delivered for the last, uh, well, 12 months and, and looking like we're going to do the same at this point in time this year, um, maybe some sort of home truths do need to be said. Um, maybe some players didn't work hard enough, uh, did have to put in more and, and are sort of padding their stats a little bit. Um, well, if it's a, it's a team game though, Macca, so why not come out and say, as a team, we played like a bunch of individuals and that's why we didn't win the game. Mm. Right. Well, I, I guess that's isolating. pretty much what he said. He didn't no, he, name any names. He actually, no, but he isolated the AFL players in the team and pretty much said they were selfish. Mm. I mean, reading yeah, between I, I the lines, really that's it. what he's saying. I don't mind it. Yeah, well, I, I do because uh, it create what it's creating it now. Now you got SA and field contracted players going. Oh well, I wish I should be playing, but I can't because of them. You know, and they're not even doing the team thing. So mm. I can't see how that's actually helping the team culture. Well, look, we, we've had, obviously, um, word over the weekend that uh, some of the players may not have been all that happy with Kosh's comments um, on Twitter after last week's game. I guess for me, it's just a point of, well, hard enough. You know, hard enough. Well, we're, we're, The expectation from Port Adelaide internally and externally, was that we were going to gun for a premiership this year and last year. It hasn't happened. We've under-delivered massively. Our leadership group has been absolutely terrible so far this year. Our key players aren't uh, aren't playing anywhere near their potential. Um, the form of the AFL guys in the SANFL hasn't been up to standard either. Um, we don't have a lot of... Uh, players in very good form to sort of call on in this sort of situation. So it is really from top to bottom, we are struggling at the moment. And maybe these sorts of hard truths do need to be said because, the, you know, oh, it, it's not really good enough. And just because you've got this fat new bloody five-year contract on $3 million and you get to stay in your home state for the next five years, you know, big bloody deal. It's it's not, 
I don't think it's right. I don't know. I don't oh, know I'm, I'm happy for Josh. Chad to sort of call out um, a group of players that aren't putting in as they should. Yeah, but Chad's the coach. How's what's he saying that's unifying a team? There, it's not. It's divisive. Well, maybe you know, the team isn't David, unified at the moment. David Kosh is a a bureaucrat, really. Um, so you know, so really, he's just a, a glorified supporter. And he got asked about it and said it was a disgrace, and mm. it was a disgrace. And I'm sure, I'm sure Ken Higley uh, pretty much said it was a debacle. And so he's not actually saying anything that's not not untrue. So I think the players need to harden up a little bit there. Mm. And um, the players haven't complained about what Chad Corn said. It's just I'm just thinking I don't think it's conducive to a good team culture and. And that sort of stuff should have been kept behind closed doors. In the chat room, Porsche has said uh, Unified starts with calling out selfish football. Uh, pathetic Pittman lead, led to premierships. Um, complaining about being told hard truths is, uh, in an inoffensive way, is the epitome of unport Adelaide. Just say it. Say it behind closed doors. That's what I'm, all I'm asking. Sit him in the lecture room and go, that is a disgrace. Yeah. How can you how can you run there and just try and get a cheap kick when you should be doing this and this is mm. the team thing? Yeah, well, I'm sure and that was said the pl- as well. Well, I hope so. Mm. So uh, it just looks like we're playing, we're trying to play psychological games and it ain't working. And um, but yeah, look, I mean, so it was hard to read. Looking at the comments on the on the Big Footy forum, um, you know, looking at the stats, it seemed like there was some impressive performances. But you know, reading the comments. They weren't necessarily that impressive uh, yeah. after all. It Look, seemed like Jared Pollock was the only one. Yeah, Pollock had 28 touches, uh, seven clearances, kicked a goal. Um, looks like he worked pretty hard. There was uh, some queries over his ball use. Uh, Sammy Cahoon had 25 touches and 12 marks. So I think that he's come under some criticism. Uh, Brendan Archie had 22 touches, uh, seven tackles, um, and a couple of clearances. He's also come under a bit of scrutiny for his performance on the weekend. Um, Dan Houston in his first game picked up 11 touches, kicked a couple of goals. That's uh, that's nice for him. Uh, Will Snelling got injured, which is disappointing because he's been in some ripping form. Um, for me, the worst stat from the weekend is that we had uh, we pretty much leveled the hitouts, um, but we had less than half the clearances. So that means that the midfield's just not working anywhere near hard enough against a bunch of no-name sort of central districts players. Yeah, so what is going on there? I mean, both levels, the clearance work is just disgraceful, and the midfield. So you can't. Can you blame the players in both levels for that? Surely not. As I said in my uh, in my sour, I mean, there's there's something going on when our midfield is just struggling from top to bottom, from our best player down to our worst. Um, That's exactly right. We're just in struggle town. What is going on? It's and yeah. Look, I mean, do we do we need to get an external review in midway through the season? Could, it's you know, would there be benefit to getting someone in to do a week review of the footy club and provide some urgent feedback to the coaches and and the administration staff? Yeah. Because yeah, you know, the season's still early and it can still be turned around. However, uh, it I feel like. Um, Someone needs to come in there and go, guys. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, you know, it just doesn't. It something just does not seem right. I mean, do you think it would be too premature to do something like that? We're just not sure anything can change mid-season like that. Um, 
again, I'm, I'm just hoping that we do hit some sort of form and that this is just some sort of down patch. But, um, I mean, to tell you the, the truth, I can see us playing like this for the rest of the season at, at both levels. I, I don't think the Maggies are going to make the finals, and I think we're up against it at AFL level to make the finals as well. So if that happens, um, as I said earlier, certainly changes will be made. Um, whether we can get a review done um, sort of mid-season and is that going to change anything, I'm not sure it will. Yeah, I mean, we've got a history where we, we haven't been able to do radical shifts um, quickly in a season, have we? Once yeah. uh, once it becomes obvious that we've got flaws, those flaws seem to uh, to stay for quite a while, which, which sort of leads me to, you know, maybe some of the personnel that's been there for a while some of them maybe need to uh, be moved on. And, no doubt. Uh, I mean, it's a bit Look, of an... As I said to you last week, as I said to you last week off air, I think there's a few people, backroom, on-field, coaching staff, who've been there a bit too long maybe, are a little bit comfortable in their position and have maybe drunk the Kool-Aid a little bit too much um, from the media in the last couple of years and um, now it's starting to hurt a little bit. So... Are you in agreement um, that uh, Ken Hankley is safe? I think. Oh, look, other clubs have sacked uh, coaches with contracts who've um, not made finals for two years before. We saw it with Brenton Sanderson. He had a great first year, missed the finals for two years, um, got the axe. Uh, we've seen it before, so I don't think he is 100% safe, but it depends on how we finish the season. If we make the finals, he's obviously safe. If we just miss, I think he's safe. If we end up 15th with uh, six wins for the year, he might be in a bit of trouble. Do you think getting rid of uh, Hinkley is a solution? Depends who else is out there. Depends who else is available. Have you lost faith in Hinkley? I haven't lost faith. As I said in the uh, in the thread on the forum, I have not lost faith in Ken Hinckley at the moment. I've lost faith in um, some of the things I think we're doing. I've lost faith in some of the assistants, uh, some of the players. Um, but I think Hinckley's safe at this point in time. Yeah. I think he just needs better support. I think he's shown with better support, wiser support, more experienced support. He... Uh, he flourishes. Mm. I found what I found interesting, though, Macca, uh, as we uh, as the show peters out to a, a close shortly, is uh, Jackson uh, was saying that maybe um, yeah he might be rucking more soon. Yeah, that was interesting, and and as we know, that's uh, that's been a real sticking point for people on our forum over the last sort of fifteen months. He's such a good pinch hit ruckman. As I said at the time, he's won us games by doing it on numerous occasions. And we just haven't seen it at all. And it's, it's I guess it's one of those sort of baffling things when we usually play a pretty tall defence anyway. Um, and we could probably afford to lose Trengo from the defensive group for five to ten minutes a quarter at stages. Yeah, well, I've always been bullish on Jackson um, being a uh, bit of a rutman. I'd like mm. to see Jackson have 10 kilos more on him, though. He looked bloody um, uh, tiny next to uh, Zach Smith. And I know Zach Smith's a little bit taller than him, but just broader and more solid. And, uh, you know, I'm, Jackson's only following the fitness coach's instructions there. But 
You know, I'm sick and tired, and that was going to be another one of my hates. I am sick and tired of us looking like twigs, especially compared to these Victorian sides. It's just now year in and year out. And, yeah. you know, we're not fitter than them. We're not running away from them for a whole game. So where what is the advantage for us being leaner? Well, I think, it just comes to, I think it comes down to our training regime. And as REH has said for the last, I don't know, probably seven years on the forum, we look like a bunch of middle distance runners and always have. You know, we, we, we just don't. can't put on the size of other clubs. And I don't know if it's our training. Maybe we're doing too much running, too much sort of aerobic work. Maybe we've just gone down the path. I know Choco had that sort of whole theory of um, sort of leaner footballers and you know more athletic and that sort of thing. Um, but enough's enough. You know, still year in, year out, teams which are bloody big win premierships. Sydney do it. Hawthorne do it. Geelong have done it. You know, you look at the sort of... Uh, the teams that are near the top this year, again, Hawthorne, you know, the Dogs are a pretty well-built side. The Crows are absolute monsters. I don't know. We just seem to miss the boat in terms of that regard on a yearly basis. And Ollie's probably yeah, the only sort of exception where he's arguably too big. <laughs> but um, all our other sort of midfielders and our key position forwards um, aren't necessarily big enough. And, and the biggest players that we have have always come from other clubs like Charlie Dixon and Gus Monfries. Like they're both built like bloody brick shit houses and they came from other clubs. We yeah, can't sort of develop the size internally from players that we draft. But we'll, uh, we'll shred them down. Mm. So you're putting the heat on Darren Burgess as well then? Yeah, I think I said that last week and the week before. I think, um, I think questions need to be asked, and I think um, he's probably one of the guys that has got off a little bit scot-free at the moment in terms of our fitness, in terms of how we look. Um, maybe we have made mistakes in terms of our fitness um, regime this year, um, in terms of the new sort of interchange rules. And you know, Again, the teams that are at the top are looking pretty bloody quick as well. You know, the Crows are super fast, Hawthorne are fast, the Dogs are lightning quick, we just can't keep up. Yeah, that could be a massacre against the Bulldogs. So we're not quick enough, and we're not strong enough. So it's yeah. pretty disappointing at the moment. And Matty White can't be the solution to our problem, just having him out of the side, or back in the side. I mean, we still lack more pace than that. Um so do you think we need to there'll be some wholesale changes this week? What are you what are you expecting? Um not too sure to be honest <laughs> at this point. Uh yeah. I would hope there's more than two changes. Let me put it that way. I, I think we need to see a couple of pl- a couple more players than that come out of the side. I think again we need to see one of the sort of uh, senior players come out of the side. Um but I guess the disappointing thing from the weekend is that do we have the quality from the reserves to come in? Well, I guess those quality players in the reserves um, that are there, um, they need to uh, to stand up, don't they? I mean, I mean Nathan Cracker's had a run. I mean, we seem desperate for Nathan Cracker's skill. We definitely need him pinpointing passes outside of our defensive fifty and hitting a target. Mm. Um, so he's vital. I mean, so how did Logan Austin go? Did he uh, did he play? 
I think so. Yeah, I think he went all right. Yeah? Because mm. if Jacko's out... I mean, Cleary mean played. Cleary played. He uh, played his first game back, so he might be um, he might be an option as well. Yeah, but Logan's a little bit taller, though, isn't he? So if we lose mm. Jackson, we're going to need a uh, uh, Logan coming in the side. Or is there the potential that Loby might get dropped and and uh, Jackson might do the rucking? I guess this is old discussion that we should be having on Thursday. Yeah, well, you're not on, so I was just mm. trying to get your thoughts before <laughs> you, uh, before we go. So we're not going to drop Loby. We're not going to drop Loby. That'll never happen. I don't think. I don't think we can, can we? We're just going to have to no. persist with it. No, we can is give him hurting? adequate is... support in Dougal Howard, um, which is what we should be doing. Um, but that's as far as it will go, I think. So. Are we um, are we doing Loby's trade value a disservice at the moment? See, we were offered potentially two first round picks for him in the recent trade period. Yeah, we're never go- we're not going to get that again. So that was a once in a lifetime chance. We're not going to get that again. So with hindsight, would you have taken that that offer? I would have taken it then and there. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You would have taken it. You would have taken it and run, even though the risk is that we might not have been able to get another ruckman. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We we would have had time to yeah. get another ruckman. We would have found someone else, um, even if we just get by with a couple of um, younger guys for um, for twelve months. Would mm. would they have done any worse than what uh, Loby's done so far? I don't think so. You know, to get two first round picks. For someone like that, and to knock it back just because oh he's a good bloke and I made him a promise, um, not acceptable. They're, they're well, the sort of changes. They're the sort of changes that really make a difference to your side. Um, you know, yeah, we've been without first round picks for three years. Um, you know, to get two first round picks in, that would have just revitalised the list and, and given us you know a couple of really good quality players. So do you think a uh, Hawthorne or Sydney would have made that decision? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think there's certainly teams in the league that would have taken that risk, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed. I mean, who's accountable for that decision? Parker or Hinkley? I think both, probably, yeah. So is Hinkley being a little bit too loyal? I think he has been on this occasion, yeah. And if he doesn't lose some of this loyalty, could he be the captain that goes down with the ship, maybe? I think the loyalty is wearing thin at the moment, and I think he might have had enough going by some of his comments um, post-match. So, well, yeah, his I career's think, uh, on the line. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And his, and yeah. his credibility. No and, you know, he is back... We've seen it happen before. We've seen it happen before with coaches that sort of are too loyal to their players and... It's cost them their jobs. We saw it with Neil Cray. You know, it, it happens sometimes, and sometimes you yeah. you want to back them in too much, and that's fine. It's good to have a coach that does that, but you also have to make the hard decisions sometimes. And trading Loby would have been an absolutely very very tough decision to make because he is a very popular player. We did run the risk of losing Ryder for twelve months, which uh, came to fruition. But it, it's a it's, it's one of those sort of ballsy moves that sometimes you have to make. So what are the, uh, anyone left on our chat? Has anyone got an opinion on the low potential uh, missed opportunity? 
Yeah, most people have said that um, they would have done the trade as well. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So we haven't put we haven't put everyone to sleep yet. Not yet. No, no, no. But I think it's time to uh, shut this down because it has gone for a very awesome. long time tonight. Yeah, well, we had a special guest. We did. So, do you want to run through Jackson the competition details on. again? Oh, yes, our competition. I've got to post that banner up that you made for me too. Mm. So we have the two tickets for the West Coast Eagles game, 21st of May. All you have to do is go to Port Fan Radio on iTunes and like the Port Fan Radio iTunes account, which has been linked plenty of times on Port Fan Radio on Facebook. And I noticed that we also have the Big Footy um, iTunes account as well for the podcast. So thanks for liking that. But this is, this promotion is to promote the uh, the Port Fan Radio account for all the shows that are on. Um, yeah. So it would be great if you know if you've got the time, if you like the Big Footy one, jump on and like the uh, Port Fan Radio one as well. And and I'll be away, so Macca, I'll have to give you the honour of drawing someone randomly. Uh, okay. The prize, and you can't, and you can't win it. All right? <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. How do Mr. they get the Mr. tickets then? Oh, well, they'll just have to come to my office and pick them up. Okay, all right. Because so, so the you'll be back. Have to... You'll be back by the time the game's on then. No, I won't be back. I don't get back okay. to the fifteenth of June. All right. Okay. You gotta get. You gotta get we will give all the details. Don't worry about that. We will. Uh, we will give we all will. the details. So if you see Mr. Smith winning the competition, it looks very similar to Macca. Ask some questions, please. Mm. Don't, I don't forget know, to tune I don't in. Know if Macca... Yes. So I think we might have Al and the boys back tomorrow. I know he had a family issue last week. And yeah. we've got uh, Matt and the team on Wednesday nights, which are going great guns. And we've got Portia and myself on Thursday. And uh, that will be my last Thursday show for... For six weeks with Porsche, and it'll, you'll have to uh, take on the responsibility, Macca. Beauty, bring it and on. And then, uh, then I'll get, and then I'll get back from overseas, and you go here, take it, Rick. Bloody hell, <laughs> that's it. And of course, the game day pod um, over the weekend, uh, yes. which is great listening uh, as you're sort of heading to the game or preparing to watch the game. It's uh, certainly important listening that one with some great analysis as well. So. Plenty of shows on the Port Fan Radio Network and uh, hopefully we're providing you with um, lots of great sort of uh, fan-driven content. Yeah, that's exactly right. So enjoy it and thanks for your support, guys. That's it. Until next time, Car Ports. Have a good one. Butcher. Butcher. Spears inside 50. Schultz comes hard. Flicks it out. It'd be appropriate. The captain, that is gold class. <laughs> Leadership agrees with Travis Boat. He's better than ever.